morning, I usually have a kid's message. And kids, I do have something for you today, uh, but hang in there, all right? When I call you, I, you need to be ready, okay? So I'm not going to tell you when we're going to do the kid's message today, but are, are the ki- we do have kids in here. Are you ready? All right, you're going to have to sit tight, all right? So be on every word I say this morning, all right, as, as you uh, uh, do your little uh, busy bags that Amanda puts together. If you have a Bible this morning, uh, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to, uh, to look and to start this morning. We're finishing up this idea of talking about greed and giving and generosity. And so as we do that, I already mentioned in the announcements that we will have the uh, financial piece uh, group, if you're interested in that, getting your finances on track with, uh, uh, in a godly, uh, with godly principles, we'll have that available um, for those that are interested. But today we're talking about being generous. And so I want to jump right into the text this morning and look at Jesus' example of generosity. Jesus' example. Now, if you're going to follow anybody's example Shake your head if it's good to follow Jesus' example. Amen? Okay, so let's look at Jesus' ministry uh, here in uh, chapter 8 of Luke, uh, verse 40. It says this, Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding was stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said... Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this in verse 50, Jesus said to to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This story of Jesus and his example of being generous is a... Is a is a story that seems to happen over and over and over again in the Gospels. That Jesus is teaching and he's preaching and he's proclaiming uh, the the kingdom of God and he's teaching and crowds are coming uh, to hear him and to see him do miracles and to heal people and to hear his teaching and there's, there's this great crowd that comes around him 
And in the middle of that, people would come and say, come and help my loved one. And here we have a dad who says, come and heal my daughter, right? And so, so he comes and, and he, this, this man, the synagogue ruler who was probably in charge of uh, putting together like the calendar of events at the, at the synagogue, he comes and he, and he asks Jesus to come and he begs Jesus to come. And this is, this is what we need to understand, that Jesus, his whole ministry, all right, Jesus' whole ministry is pointing to the cross, all right? We see the big picture of what Jesus came to do. He, he was born, he, he lived for about 30 years and began his ministry, and his ministry is this, is this road that, that to redemption for all people of all, of all time, right? His, his, his ministry is headed towards the cross, but along the way, he stops what he's doing, and he goes, and he goes to people's homes, just like this story. And so he stops what he's doing, and he goes to this, this guy's house, and along the way, even, as he's going, this woman comes and is healed by just touching his cloak. Now, how did that happen? Here's, here's how it happened. Jesus did it, okay? Jesus healed this woman even by her just touching his clothing. And, and he uses this as an illustration to stop and to, to address the, the woman who had been healed. But here's what we need to understand about generosity as we look at Jesus' example. Jesus was generous. All right? Can you imagine this story if, if, if we put it in terms of maybe today where we have somebody of influence and somebody who's very popular and there's crowds pressing along, around them and to try to get close to them, right? To try to go up and say, hey, will you come to my house and do something amazing? That would be impossible for us to do today. It would be impossible for us to go to uh, the. It would be impossible for us to go to someone of great influence and to get them to, to stop what they're doing, to interrupt their trip, interrupt their day, interrupt their plans, and to come to your house to help you with something. But Jesus was generous. He didn't have to do these things, but he chooses to to show love to people. He chose to stop what he was doing, and, I, and as, you, as you read through here and you see how the disciples interact in these situations, the disciples had what most of us would have, right? Kind of like, hey, let's look at the big picture here. These people aren't really that important. Let's just get to the, to the main thing that we're doing. But it seems like in Jesus' ministry, it was when he was interrupted, when things, people came to him and, and, and asked him questions and, and asked for his time, that he was most loving and most generous at those times. So Jesus' example this morning, he had, a, he had a great big goal in ministry, the cross, but his ministry was often the interruptions as he was going to the cross. His ministry was all of these times that, that people interrupted and he was generous with them. Jesus' example is generosity. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' teaching is about generosity. And he says this. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Um, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 
And he says this, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So when he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So the Romans, the Roman soldiers had this authority that if you were a a foreigner or you were uh, a Jew, they could come up to you and say, carry my pack for a mile, right? And this is, uh, it goes all the way back to when uh, they, they came up with the first way of delivering mail. And to get the mail from point A to point B, they came up with this idea that you carry the mail for a mile and, the, and they could force you to do one mile. And so the soldiers adopted that so that they wouldn't get worn out. They carried a pack and gear, about 66 pounds. And so they could come to you and they could say, you need to carry this a mile, and you had to stop what you're doing and carry it a mile. They even had what we would call mile markers along the, on, along the road. And so if you think about it, if you're do, going along with your business, doing what you're doing that day, and all of a sudden a, a Roman soldier comes up and says, here, carry this for a mile. Now you're going a mile carrying something heavy, all right? And then you have to go a mile back to, to return, And Jesus is teaching here, he says, when you look at things like this, don't look at it as to do the bare minimum, but he says to go two miles. Now, if you translate that to to today's terms, right, we we are really good at doing the bare minimum, right? How many of you have kids that are good at doing the bare minimum? A A few of us in here, right? Some of you raised those kids and they're out of the house finally, right? But I know this, that uh, if you talk with uh, uh, your kids about this and you say, hey, why don't you clean the house, right? Why don't, when I'm going to leave, you, you guys just clean the house. And if you don't give them any parameters of what a clean house is, when, when you get home, your definition of clean house and their definition of clean house is going to be two different things. Amen to that, right? Or a clean room or whatever it may be. Two different things. As we look at Jesus and what he says here, when he says, if, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles, he, his teaching and his life was one of being a generous person, of not trying to give the bare minimum all the time to the people around you. You look at this as, as he talks about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Right? And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's questioned by a man who basically wants to know who his neighbor is. He wants to know why, uh, who his neighbor is so he doesn't have to love people that aren't his neighbor, right? That was, that was leading into the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus uses a story to illustrate religious people that walk by a man in need and yet a, 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 one who would be looked down on, a Samaritan who stops and renders aid when he didn't have to, being generous to that person, going above and beyond. Jesus' teaching, Jesus' example is one of generosity. So folks, as we talk about greed, we understand that Jesus says we need to watch out for that greed. We understand that Jesus, uh, Jesus in, in his teaching about giving, we need to be givers. We need to be uh, a participant in the kingdom of God, investing in the kingdom of God. But more than just looking and saying, well, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do the bare minimum. When we look at Jesus' example, it's one of generosity. Have you ever been around somebody who is a very generous person? My grandfather is one of the most generous people I know. Now, 
he's very smart with his money, right? He's very intelligent, and, and he's, he's a saver. In fact, I once witnessed him call the, uh, uh, the, the, the cable company. When I was growing up, he would call the cable company if the cable would go out, right? And he would say, well, it was out for 30 minutes. I want a 30-minute charge on my bill. That was how, how, how strict he was with his finances. He was, he was going to be honest and, and, and right on the money. But I want to tell you, when it came time to help people, he was the most generous person that I know and still is today. When it came time to love his family, he was the most generous person that I've come in contact with. He was a generous person. You ever been around a generous person? Man, it makes you feel good. So here's, here's where we're getting to this morning about Christian generosity. Paul says this, um, in the, if you read in the book of Romans, he talks about being led by the Spirit to do good. In Romans 8, 14, um, he's talking there and he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Um, and in verse 5, if you back up a little bit, he says to set our mind on things of the Spirit. And then in verse 9, he says the Spirit of God dwells in us. So folks, as believers, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, we're called to walk through this life and to be led by the Spirit of God to be generous to people around us. If we truly want to follow Jesus, we are going to be generous people. Now, when we read what Jesus wrote, we have to wrestle with that, right? We have to wrestle with how generous Jesus was because what do we want to do? We want to hang on to what we have, whether that's our money and our possessions, our things. I've shared before, sometimes I want to hang on to my tools, right? The tools that I have, I don't want anybody else using my tools. And then God says, you know what? You're not even using that today. Give it to that guy. Let him, let him use it or go on a mission trip, right? I'm, I've shared this before, I, I think. If, if you've heard it, just bear with me. I went on a mission trip uh, or a, a, a mission work project, and I just got some new tools. And I just got a new, uh, specifically, a new skill saw. And we were teaching kids how to use a skill saw. And, and then I had gotten a, a brand new, or not a brand new, it was new to me, a miter chop saw. Man, I was proud of that, of that saw. And I put a new blade on it, and it was just right. And I remember teaching a kid, okay, this is how you do it. You, you, you squeeze the trigger and you come down and it just slices just like butter and it just goes like this. That's all you got to do. Just nice and slow down. And the kid cranked it up, hit, hit the trigger, and what did he do? Slammed it down, right? And the, the saw goes berserk. The blade's all messed up because he, he doesn't know how to use it. And God convicted me. He said, he said the kid's just, just learning. You have to be generous, Chris. You have to let go of these things that don't really matter. In our life, we're called to be a generous people. We're called to be led by the Spirit to be a generous type of people, a people that are giving above and beyond. Christian generosity, as we look at giving and greed that we have to watch out for, Christian generosity is our planning to leave room for God's Spirit to guide are giving to other people. When we set out to be a generous people, we have to do this. We have to plan on this. God's going to guide me and being generous to other people. Here's, here's the truth. You know what margin is? You know what a margin is on a piece of paper? Sometimes in our finances, we go all the way with our money, right? Some of, some of us in here, all right, we go too far with our money. And there's, there's not any margin. And in, in fact, if you got to fill, if the gas goes up a little bit today, you're, you're overspent for the month, right? Christian generosity is this discipline that we say, you know what? I'm going to plan on being generous to somebody with my finances. 
I'm going to plan on this. I'm going to plan that, that God is going to lead me to be overly abundant generous in some way. So financially, we, we plan that financially, some way, we're going to be interrupted in a way that we can be generous to other people. We leave margin and allow for being generous. Now, when we talk about this idea of margin, I, I read this in a book somewhere. I don't remember who wrote it, but they were talking about how important it is in our life to have a little bit of space around in our time and our resources and our money. And church, as I look at that and I study scripture, I look at Jesus' ministry and he planned his ministry where he had extra time to interact with people. He had extra time to bless the people that we read about in this story, to go to their house. And if Jesus plans his ministry knowing how everything is going to work, that, it, that he can have time to stop and to minister to people, you and I as followers of Jesus need to follow that example. We need to plan to have extra in our life to be generous to the people around us. Two things this morning, two things. One is interrupted giving, being generous with our finances. I plan to, 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 to be a blessing to others as God leads me. That can be as small as this. Anybody ever bought your lunch before? Anybody? Okay, I've, man, somebody bought my lunch one time, and I, I, several times people have bought my lunch. And it just, wow, you know, that was really nice. Being a generous person can be as small as, as what's, the, what's the word, uh, paying it forward, right? And saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless somebody today. And it might be a, a Coke. It might be a, a, a donation to, uh, to, to send in a kid to camp that's anonymous. And you say, I, I want to help that kid get to camp. It can be any number of things, but the Lord leads you to be generous. And you say, you know what? I want to do that for that person. Or I want, oh, God's leading me to do this. I'm going to do this. That's what the, the church is called to be. We're interrupted by the Spirit of God, leads us in that, and we, we give as little or as small as God leads us to in that moment. It's above and beyond our, our, our commitment to give to our local church. It's a, it's a blessing to somebody else in our daily life. We pray about it. We let the Lord teach us through it. And let me tell you something, that being a generous person is exciting. Is exciting. I've heard people's testimony about giving and blessing people. At Christmas time, we do a great job of this, right? When, and when we... Uh, uh, we see people in their generosity give to the angel tree. And let me tell you something, watching people give and go out and shop to bless somebody else, that is cool, isn't it? If you've ever done that, it, is, it makes you feel good because you're beginning to bless somebody else. When we, on a daily basis, say, okay, God, I want to be a generous person. You know, you know what? It's exciting. It's costly at times, Right? It's costly at times, and, and sometimes you you got to really work at it and be disciplined. But man, it is exciting to live a life overflowing and being generous. You have to attach to generosity this idea of being self-controlled. Because if you're not self-controlled, you become the focus of your finances. If you're not self-controlled in, in how you arrange your life, it all be, revolves around you, right? And then you don't have any to be generous with. So you have to have self-control out of the gate. You have to say, Get, I'm going to make this a part of my life. So this week, if you are, are a follower of Jesus and you're thinking about this, start in prayer. Say, Lord, how can I be generous to someone this week? And I believe this, that God will show you how to be interrupted 
in your giving and be a generous person. The second part of this is our interruptions in our investments. Our interruptions in our investments. Time is the single greatest thing you and I own today. Time, your time. We can talk about money and being generous with our money, but let me tell you about you and I, we have this thing and we can't buy any more time. You ever thought about that? And we have to spend every bit of our time. We can't save it up. Our time is the greatest thing that we have today. The greatest, most precious thing we have today. Jesus is the greatest thing we have today. Time is the most precious thing we have to spend to account for today. Our time, we have to, we have to plan and, and be aware that Jesus calls us to be interrupted in how we invest our time. Number one, we have to make time to spend with people. We have to make time to spend with people. The thing that I hear over and over again as I talk with people all over in our church, out of our church, in Texas, all around the world, this common thing, thing, thing keeps coming up. I'm very busy. How are you doing? Well, man, I'm just really busy right now. How, how's your family doing? Well, we're just running, 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 very busy. I'm so glad when somebody came up, when a father came up and needed Jesus' attention, I'm so glad that when, when, when he approached Jesus and he says, would you just come to my house, Jesus' response was, you know, I'm pretty busy today. I'm pretty busy headed towards the cross, saving all of humanity from their sin. Jesus' answer and his compassion and his example was, let me, let me, let me have a conversation with you. And not only in, in what we read today, do you understand that he, he was somewhere and he left to go to this guy's house. It wasn't, and, and other miracles took place where he said, go home, they're going to be, you know, the, the miracle's going to take place at home. He, he literally went to this guy's house. He stopped what he was doing, and he had compassion, and he was generous with his time. Let me tell you something about that. If Jesus could be generous with his time, you and I ain't got no excuse, Right? If Jesus, the Savior of the world, who was headed to the cross so that all of us may have eternal life through Jesus, if he was able to stop what he was doing and go and meet this guy and, and pray and, 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 and save this, uh, this one little girl and spend time one-on-one -on -one talking to people, if Jesus can be generous like that, guess what, folks? What we're doing in our life, busy, doesn't match up to what Jesus was doing. We can be generous with our time, too. We're called to be that kind of people. We have to make time to spend with people. None of us have a schedule that's more important than Jesus' schedule, and yet he shows us that he was generous with his time. Number two, so, so first is we have to make time to spend with people. Number two is we have to expect God to interrupt your schedule. Many, many times we do not pray about our schedule, or, and nor do we make Sure, God is directing our schedule. Many times, you and I, we go from one week to the next, and we never skip a beat and ask the Lord to help us put together our week-to-week, -week, our day-to-day -day plan. In fact, what, that kind of sounds silly. How, why would I ask God if I need to do these things? I've got to do these things. But just like we plan our, our financial giving and being a blessing to other people, and that's easy because it, it's like dollars and cents that we can, we can budget 
in our day-to-day life, we have to understand this. We have to expect that God is going to have some type of interruption in our day-to-day life where we get to invest in other people, where we get to be generous to other people and help other people. That's what his ministry was. Time is the greatest thing that we have, the greatest, uh, the, the greatest gift that we have, the greatest commodity that we have that we can't buy more of and we have to spend it all. What would happen, here's a, here's a question for us, what would happen if the church was intentionally generous with our time? What kind of world would we live in if, if every believer, if every Christian was intentionally generous with how we spend our time, how we invest our time? We would value conversation with other people. As I look at what goes on in our world and, and, and where we are today, conversation, face-to-face interaction with people is of great value right now. Our COVID-19, our culture, digital things, all those things have compounded that, that face-to-face interaction with whoever that may be is one of the most valuable things that you can give someone. Our conversation, we would say that when we meet somebody, that that maybe the Lord, the Spirit of God is leading us to, to have a conversation with that person. We would identify, if we were really intentional about this, we would identify time wasters and be more disciplined with our day. When we talk about time, some of you have this on your phone because it convicts me every time it pops up. It tells you how many minutes or hours you spend every day on your phone. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I saw that. And mine pops up on Sunday. Does anybody else's pop up on Sunday? Okay. That's the Lord's work there, all right? Convicted us all on Sunday about how much time you spend using your cell phone or watching a TV show or, or, or surfing the internet or looking at Facebook. There, there are so many time wasters. If the church is intentional about how we invest in being generous, we're going to identify some things that are probably in your life and my life that we could say, you know, I could do without this so that I have more time to invest in this. So I'm more time to invest in other people. We would identify time wasters and be more disciplined with our, our, our time. We would be the first people on the scene to, to, to share love and to pray with people and to share the gospel with people in need. Church, that's what we're called to be, just like the Good Samaritan. The two religious leaders passed by the man in the ditch. And there was one man who stopped and he rendered aid and he, and he showed compassion to the person, to the neighbor. That's the kind of followers of Jesus we're called to be. I want to bring this to a practical application this morning. And that is how we are generous and invest in our family. So I've got a couple of things. Number one, you're here today and you don't have, uh, you, you don't have a, a family. You're single, all right? If you're single today, I wrote, I wrote a couple notes here. First of all, you still are called to invest in kids that we have in our church and the youth and the church as a whole. And you need to do that and you need to pray for them and, and do what only you can do as a single person and serve where the Lord leads you to serve. Number two this morning, you're, uh, uh, you're married, but you don't have kids, all right? If you don't have kids of your own, you need to invest in your marriage and you need to pray and serve with your church. The same thing, right? But your investment with your spouse is of great value. Number three this morning, you have kids at home. You have kids at home. Now, 
we have kids at home, my family, and we have the kids. All right, so kids, I told you we were going to get to you, all right? Can y'all come up here? A few of you. All right, yeah, come up here, come up here, all right. Good deal. All right, Mr. Graham, come over here. You're going to hold this one. Now, Amanda, y'all kind of line up. I need uh, Faith Calvin, Faith Weaver, I need you up here. Michael Talent, need to borrow. We got any other teenagers in here? And uh, here we go. Y'all stand up with me. Y'all are, are going to stand up this morning. So stand up and kind of line up going that way. Faith Calvin, in, in order of your grade. Faith Calvin, you go down there. Faith Weaver, you go down there. Right here. Here you go. Here you go, Ava, right here. All right. So, Graham, you're going to hold this. Now, uh, my intention of this, go way down there, Michael, way down there. All right. My intention of this today is not to make any of our parents emotional, okay? But this, this program that we do with these kids uh, is called Orange, our Bible study. And it is based on this idea that you have red and yellow, it makes orange. And the, the premise of it is you have the home parents and you have the church and together you invest in these kids, okay? So that's our Bible study stuff, has stuff you could take home and do family devotions, it's big on that. The other thing it's big on is it has a countdown. If you download the app and you open it up, it has a countdown timer before your, and Rita's over here shaking her head. I'm sorry, Rita, okay. It has a countdown timer of when your child is going to graduate from high school. All right, so here's how it starts. And to identify that, Amanda helped me find this great illustration. These beads represent one week, one week of your child at home, okay? So, I'm going to let Graham hold this one. This is for your, your baby brother because when he was born, he had uh, 884 weeks at home. Amen, right? It's a full jar. All right, can you hold that one right there? Okay, so then we go to the next one. This is for our kindergartners. We got kindergartner with Eli. We'll, we'll put Ava in, in right there. So uh, kindergarten, you have 600 and 76 weeks left at the house. All right, so you hold that one, Eli. All right, very good. All right, here we go. We got, uh, who's in first grade? All right, you too. All right, sorry, sorry, moms. Y'all hang in there. 624 weeks at home, all right? So y'all hold that out front so everybody can see them. All right, here we go. We got third grade. Who's third grade? Bentley, what are you doing, man? Come on up here. We need you right here. All right, you hold this for Bentley. He's got 520 right there. Okay. And what we got? Uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade? No, you stand right up there. There you go. So fifth, I don't, I don't think we had fourth grade. We didn't have enough beads. All right, so 416 weeks. What do we got right here? We got sixth grade, 364 weeks. All right. We got seventh grade, 312. Let's see if I get these in order here. Uh, ninth grade, 208 weeks. We've got, what grade are you in? 11th grade. Well, this is 10th grade, 156. Oh, and here we go, we do. 100 weeks, all right? Now, you could probably take some of those weeks out because we're already halfway through the, the school year, but don't do that because your mom might, might get emotional on me, all right? Eventually, you get over here, and there's 52, there's one year left. And so the illustration this morning is of these, of these beads and these kids up here. At some point, at some point, when we talk about being generous, and how about this? Y'all set those jars down for me, right where you're at? And we're going to clap for you as you go sit back down. 
Thank you for the help, guys. Y'all can go have a seat. Thank y'all for the help. At some, at some point from, from when you bring your kid home to when they graduate high school, all right, and they're on their own. And now, does your investment in your, in your kids stop at age 18? It does not, right? But it definitely changes. And some of you grandparents here today, some of you parents where you, you, you're tearing up thinking, oh, man, I remember those days. It goes, it goes by, and then all of a sudden you look up, and there's, there's, no, there's no weeks left to invest in these kids in your home. You invest now in a different way. They're in a different season of their life. But folks, let me, let me draw your attention back to this idea that we're called church family, parents with kids at home. You're called to make sure you are being generous with your time, with your family. You are called to make sure that you are intentional about investing in your kids and spending time, and, and not just time, but pointing them and discipling them in the name of Jesus. Grandparents, as you watch your grandkids, I think it's, I've never been a grandparent before, but I imagine when you start back over, just judging by how proud you grandparents get with, with a newborn, right, you get, to, you get the joy of seeing this take place again. I heard a pastor share this quote the other day, and he said, uh, he said, the days are long, but the years are short. Is that true? The days are long, but the years are short. So here's what I'm getting to when we look at this and we, and we remember our investment. When we are a people who are generous, parents, and we are generous with our time, and we understand that we are called to invest in our family, we understand this, that every week we get to invest in our kids is important. Every moment we get to invest in our kids is important because we know this, that we're not guaranteed any of these days. That we, we have the time we have today, this illustration should, should remind us of this, that even though we say, well, you know, we have this amount of time, none of us know how much time we really have. We can see this, but we understand that none of us know, none of us know what tomorrow holds. None of us know if, if, if we have another week to spend investing in somebody. And so as we talk about being generous, as we talk about that generous idea, being generous with our time, this morning, as, as we close, maybe, maybe you have some people in your life that you need to be generous with with your time. Maybe, maybe dads, you, you need to, to, to today just, just pray and say, God, help me to be generous with my kids and my wife, with my grandkids, right? With my, my spouse, with my, with, with my church family. Wherever it is that the Lord is leading you, we're called to be a generous people. If your kids are away this morning, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're not, maybe you don't have kids of your own, but you can pray with us and you can trust the Lord for these kids. You can invest in them when you, when you can by serving and in in sharing the gospel with them. You can invest in your grandkids when you can. You can be intentional about being a Christian grandparent. There's, a, there's an organization that's called that, Intentional Christian Grandparenting. 
I want to tell you, we need intentional Christian grandparents at this church. Amen? We, there was no amens on that. I'm going to say amen to myself. We need grandparents who are intentional about being generous with the generations to come. Not just financially, but spiritually. Opening the word, sharing with them, teaching these, all these kids that were up here. Need a church family who is generous with them. In generosity with, with kids in that type of ministry, let me close with this. It looks, like, it, it, it looks like a family is supposed to look like. You know, when we, when we look at what God created the family to be and how he intended families to operate, man, we fall short of that so, so many times. But as a church family, we're called to be a family who, when we, when we get together with each other, we're not, we're not thinking about how we can get on to the next thing. When we have a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ or with one of these young people, we're not trying to think about what I'm doing tomorrow or what I'm doing after this or some of you today, what you're doing at lunchtime today, right? We're called to, 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 to stop and, and just be generous with our time with the people around us. So this morning as, as, we, as we have a, a, a song here in just a moment, if you're a dad here or you're a parent here, maybe it is to pray with your kids today. You know, we do this every week. You can grab their hand and you can say a short prayer there in your pew. Or you can come here to the, to the altar and pray with them. Maybe this morning you need to pray for somebody who's not here and, and, and lift them up and, and be able to tell them this week, hey, I prayed for you today. I, I prayed for you at church. That's what this, this closing time is about. Maybe it's to, to be more intentional this week about how you're going to be generous in the world in which you get to be a part of. We are generous. I'm going to close with this this morning. We are generous people because God has been generous with us. We are generous with our time and our money and our resources, the things that we have, because Jesus was generous for you and for me. And this morning, if you're here and, and you don't hear anything else, hear this. Jesus was generous enough to come just for you, to come from heaven to earth, right, to be born, to go and live and to do this ministry, and if you were the only one, he would have stopped and gone to the cross just for you, and that cross represents this, that you and I are sinners, we've wronged God Almighty, and the only way to have a restored relationship with, with God Almighty is through what Jesus did on the cross, he died, he paid the penalty for our sin. Now, if you need another definition of generous, there's not a better one. That, that, God, that God looked at us in our mess, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. That wasn't when we were on our good day, it was on our bad day, and he went to the cross on our behalf. This morning, if you've never responded to the generous love of Jesus Christ, when we have this song here at the end, here in just a moment, I'm going to be here at the front. I would love to, to pray with you, to encourage you, maybe meet with you this week about what it means to understand the generous love of Jesus Christ. Philip, come on up. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for being generous with us. Lord, we thank you for the, the example that you gave um, you, you, you set this thing in motion that is uh, uh, this, this movement of not just looking to the, the easiest and the shortest and, 
the, the most self-centered way of living, but to, to live in a way that is truly loving others and being generous to people around us and to going above and beyond. We have some, some folks in our church today, Lord, that, that do this on a regular basis, and I pray you would encourage them today, to encourage them to continue to be generous to people around them, to open their eyes to, to, to people that, that need help, to, to ways that they can bless these kids, these, these, uh, these young kids as they grow up and, and, and head towards where uh, Michael is as, a, as a, a young man of God. Lord, we pray that we would invest well in our families and that we would invest in our, in our community and be generous in our community. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.